Hey everybody, and welcome back to Tales of Esperan. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling fun character stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, we sit down at our desks, pretend to be someone we're not, and then record it all to share with you. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. And the best part of it all is that we have no idea what will happen next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with, Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition. We loosely rely on the system to tell our own stories, independent of the lore and often problematic content that comes with Dungeons and Dragons right out of the box. In short, this just means that we use dice to decide what happens next to our characters, not a book. Roll high? Maybe you get to take a quick trip home to let your parents know you're alright. Roll low? Maybe you run into an angel in the woods. Let's roll the dice and find out what happens next. Together. On this early morning in Asperon, our view returns to the quaint campsite along the Opal River, mere moments before Tetwerk, Hale, and Thurbash run off into the thicket to investigate the crashing airship above. As the flaming airship sails overhead, the faces of our adventurers are illuminated in a mix of dancing amber and white light, one from the fiery wreckage of an airship. Another from the celestial rings arcing across the Asperon sky. Quickly, our adventurers gather themselves and pick up their well-needed items, rushing to meet the airship crashing into the woodland below, and hopefully find survivors. Meanwhile, Alea quietly sleeps in her bedroll, unfazed by the commotion of the campsite around her. We hear the muted voice of Rose trying to rouse her from her slumber as it slowly fades away, until we are left in silence while Alea dreams, while Alea takes her first true steps as a dreamwalker. Okay, so um, where we last left off, at least for you, um, Avi, our party had just finished reburying Irnan Thistledown mm -hmm. um, after checking him out and you all kind of were left walking into town. Um, while you were away, not a ton happened. Um, Rose went off to buy um, a folding boat from Killick, the goblin that um, you all assaulted. <laughs> um, yep. Yep. <laughs> um, which is basically a suitcase that if you undo the latch and unfurl it, it turns into like a boat big enough to fit the five of you, like all going down river. It has like a single sail on it um, and a little hull underneath. Damn, we have a bag that holds things and a boat bag. Yeah, boat in a box. Love it, love it. Yeah, when, when Rose presented it, did they, uh, they tell you that was a, a box of boats? <laughs> no, it's a boat in a box. <laughs> Um, yes. 
But yeah, so Rose kind of propositioned everyone. As you know, I previously talked to you beforehand, but Rose propositioned everyone that I want to get you all formally inducted into the Hunter's Guild, and to do that, we have to go to the Emerald Crossroads, which is a bit of a pilgrimage. Um, if I look at my notes here, it is roughly 12 days of travel down river, and then a couple more days across the plains. So it's a pretty long journey. Um, so this arc of the game is going to be what you all experience on the road to this new place. Um, but you all travel down river for a day or so um, and make camp at night. Oh, on the way, Haley's tail got bit by a turtle. Um, he decided to keep it. And it's tentatively following the crew around. Then again, it happened at the campsite. So when they get back, it might not be there. We're going to roll some dice and figure that part out. <laughs> um, during this, we kind of made a canon that Alea kept trying to feed it um, mm -hmm, to figure out mm -hmm. what it eats. Um, eventually, you find out. I'm turtle sitting. Yeah, you're basically, you're turtle sitting while they were doing, um, just kind of role playing for most of this adventure here. Then, as the sun was coming up in the morning, one of the party members was hunched over Tedward's book and it was scribbling. And Haley was reading it and it said something about something ominous looming on the horizon then as the, they finished reading this line they heard an explosion and they look up in the air and they see a bright light in the sky and it's getting closer and closer and you can hear like the whistling of it approaching like a bomb um then flying overhead covered in flames and quickly descending into the forest was what looked to be a small boat um maybe built for two, three people maximum, but it had all these big, big canvas balloons attached to it. And it was very quickly descending into the forest. It quickly crashed. And while you, Alea, were still asleep, the rest of your party sprinted off into the woods and left Rose with you to try and wake you up and then meet them there. Alea doesn't necessarily know that this has happened yet because she's still asleep. Now, I have an important question for you. Being this, this is kind of our first session with her having the diadem. What might Alea be dreaming about right now? Hmm. I feel like she has many a nights where she's dreaming of, like, the signature loaves of bread that, like, her family would make. Specifically, her grandfather's recipe. Oh, that's so cool. So she's just s smelling the, the, the light fluffiness. Yeah, I feel like she dreams about that a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she just has a lot of dreams about being back at home. Maybe she's feeling homesick. Um, now, with that in mind, the the ability of this diadem is that whenever you take a long rest, you can choose to peer into a place you know you're heading or peer in on a place and get like a sense of it um, emotionally. Would you like to use that? Let's do it! This okay. is the first time, so let's, yeah. let's go. So let me pull up my notes here. Dream adventure. Oh, yeah. wait. Dream adventure. Well, this is much more controlled than the last one where you saw a dragon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very well, ominous. We don't know what we're going to see now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, now you have a lot more control over what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. um, so just to rehash some of the features that this um, kind of wooden knotted wreath gives you it's kind of placed upon your head um it heightens your senses while dreaming you're aware if a dream you're experiencing isn't yours because there are creatures in this world that can push dreams on you nightmares 
Um, and some, it's almost impossible to tell because most people don't even realize they're dreaming, let alone realizing their dreams are not real, let alone realizing the dreams are fake by something else. Um, but one thing you can do is peer into the dream realm when you're taking a long rest, usually on a location that you have heard of or that you have been to before. And you can kind of sense emotional like wavelengths and resonance there. So if you were to peer in on, you know, a place you went to in Whispering Lake, you might be able to get a feel of the current state of how the person who lives there feels. Or you could look towards the Emerald Crossroads and get like a a generalized sense of what, may, what might be ahead of you. And you got a preview of that when you first put it on. Um, you got like kind of a sense of adventure and mm-hmm. this like thrill just by looking at the place. Um you can also, it may also allow you to see threats that are hidden and unknown from you on like the material plane. For example, the ferret doesn't exist in the real world, but it exists in the dream world. Yeah. So where would you like to look? I mean, I guess I would like to check in on where we just were real quick, mm-hmm. see if things have calmed down. You could also, because you're talking about dreaming about bread, you could peer in on home. <gasps> oh, you can! Yeah. Places okay, you've so been that... and places you know you're going. Okay, so first check-in is at home. That's definitely first. Okay, um, where at at home, do you think? Mm, probably the main living quarter is where she would first check. Okay, um, so let me do... It didn't even occur to me that you might do this until you mentioned that you were thinking about the bread, and I was like, oh, she could peer on in a home. Because yeah, she's she's been wanting to like uh, she's been meaning to uh, send letters and stuff, but she hasn't mm-hmm. yet. So it's probably weighing on her mind. Um, so it's a very early morning um, right now, and while you're sleeping, you're kind of the first thought that comes to your mind is that fresh bread, and then you can kind of feel yourself pulled, and for a brief moment, you do see kind of an ethereal sense of this campsite around you, and. It feels more solid than it did when you ventured into this dream realm by taking some tea that you didn't really know what it would do. Things around you feel more solid as you feel your kind of consciousness leave your body. And then in that brief moment, it feels like someone's pulling on a rope at your waist as you you smell that bread all around you. And you're just tugged forward and everything becomes a blur of white and blue and this kind of spurts of darkness as you tear through the dream realm you don't know how you're navigating you don't know how maybe it's just that this thought is pulling you to the place um and then just as suddenly as you started you come to a quick stop and you're standing in almost an ethereal version of your family's kitchen you can see ahead of you the long table the sink and all the little potted plants by the window that your mother would use to clip things off of while she was cooking. And around you, you can smell that bread still. What would you like to do? Uh, is anyone around awake? Um, roll me a perception check. Okay. Uh, and eight. <laughs> eight. Um, so one thing that you do remember about being in the dream realm is that the only time you ever saw a form or a body was, well, your own bodies because you ejected and came into the realm of dream. 
And the only other time you saw dream creatures, or saw other creatures, are when they were creatures that lived in the dream realm. So, the one thing that's a little unsettling is maybe you didn't quite expect it, that this room is empty. Now, with that in mind though, you do know, just with your feet touching the ground at your feet, you can feel a sense of comfort and home, like coming from the floorboards beneath you. And with that perception check, just looking around, you can see that things all around the room are kind of tinted with different colors, different kind of emotional spectrums, in the same way that you kind of did when you were in the dream realm of Whispering Lake. You could feel things and get a, a feeling about them. Um, so, sadly, right now the kitchen is empty. Um, but there's plenty of stuff for you to poke at. I, I, I still don't, like, what can I do in the dream world? Does it affect the real world? No, right? You don't know. You uh, haven't tried. Unless... Yeah, you haven't tried. I'm gonna... You know what? She's gonna try to write a message, like, somewhere. Ooh, okay. What would you try and write it in? Or how would you try and leave this message? Is there a D&D sticky note? <laughs> um, Something like that? One thing you can see pretty clearly is that there are... Um, your mom has like the normal notepad and paper that are, that's kept pretty close to where she does her cooking work. And you can see that laden around it on the table, there are recipe books and plenty of other things like that. So you could try and write a note and leave it behind if you wanted. Yeah, I'll try that. Okay. Um, I think what this is going to be is I'll call this a charisma sa uh, charisma save because okay. you're trying to use your presence to push on what Alea doesn't realize is a boundary between worlds I got a seven <laughs> ooh a seven okay so you you reach down to pick up you pick up the pen or the, um, the, the pencil and start to write on the paper and the first thing you notice is that when you reach for the pencil you can see a corporeal version and you can see a solid version. And when you reach and grab, you pull the ethereal version away from it and the solid one is still there. Um, but when you're holding the pencil, you immediately, this, this ethereal pencil in your hand, you immediately get a sense of worry. So, so she feels worry from the pencil? She feels a sense of worry, like anxiety and worry coming from the pencil. And when you look down at the, the sheet, um, you can see there's a list of towns on the paper, and each one is crossed out. You recognize them as small towns around your home. Oh, no. Because <laughs> um, if you remember, Alea just up and yeah. ran off. Oh gosh, okay. So, step one, write a letter home. Step two, practice uh, this ethereal, <laughs> trying to cross this ethereal boundary. Um, okay. Um, yeah, so you see all these towns crossed off and kind of written off, like one by one. Like, with the worry, it makes you think that your parents might be looking for you or looking for somebody or something. You see some towns called um, the town of Aruth. Pandora, Waterdrift. You know them all as like small towns surrounding your home. And each one has been crossed off bit by bit. Um, and while you're looking at this, is there anything else you would like to do? I have something in mind, but I want you to... Not particularly, because this is her first time, like, so she doesn't know the extent of what she can do, so it would probably just be like, 
little exploring, like dipping her toe in, seeing. Um, so while you're standing here holding this ethereal pencil, you hear like footsteps making their way across the kitchen and it's echoing around you in a strange way and you look around and you do see one thing immediately. Bootprints pushing down into the ethereal floor at your feet. Like large bootprints making their way towards the sink and like the little writing station where you're standing. They're kind of glowing with um, a faint yellow light. Okay. <clears throat> um... I guess she would try to interact with the thing making the footprints. Like, she would try to, like, put her hand out in front of it or something to see if that changes, like, if it stops it or if it, like... You put your hand up and you're focusing on these footprints. You're like, somebody has to be in the room right now. And you feel something on your hand, like a bit of warmth or, like, a pressure. It's a, it's hard to describe. Um, but as it happens, you get that whiff of bread that you have been thinking of. It just enters your your senses immediately. It almost feels overwhelming, and then it's immediately gone. And the boot prints make their way across the room, just one by one, boom, boom, appearing. And they stop in front of the stove and kind of stand there for a moment. What would you like to do? I don't know. Um, I guess they stop in front of the stove. It's a warmth feeling. Um, I, I guess she would just try to, like maybe try to move something no that would scare her family she wouldn't do that just kidding <laughs> she's not a ghost um i guess she would just feel like you know how the pen is worried or you know what i mean the mm -hmm. pen has a feeling of worry and the notepad has all the lists and stuff she would kind of try to exude reassurance and like <sighs> safety your brain went to the same exact spot mine was because you were like I was like, she hasn't realized what she's capable of yet. And then you're, and I was like, I'll wait till she's done and I'll tell her to look at the pencil. And you went right to the pencil. And I was going to say that you notice, I was going to ask you, while Alay has been going through all this, what does she feel? Mm -hmm. Because as, as she looks down at the pencil, she notices that the resonance of it has changed. Yeah, so she would, she would try to be reassuring. <laughs> um, yeah, so you, she, you kind of focus. Just give me a wisdom check. All right. Wisdom. Oh my god, these low rolls, mm. five. Five. Well, this is her first time even experimenting with this, so it's really fitting. You're trying, and maybe it's the worry um, and kind of the, the homesickness. You're pushing that into it by accident. You don't get security. You still get this anxiety, but you're changing, like, the fear with this kind of... Um, homesickness that you've been feeling. While you're standing there, you watch the boot prints walk towards the, the long table and then do a quick heel turn and stop in front of the notepad right next to you. Before this cool little thing happens, is there anything Alea would do? I don't know. She'd probably just like remember being in the kitchen with her family and like just she's trying to like picture like actually being there not in a like a dream version of but like so you imagine this and focus on it can you roll me a wisdom check way better a 17 17 okay so as you see these boots stop next to you you suddenly feel the pencils the, this ethereal pencil you're holding start to change and you can hear scribbling 
and you look on the paper and you see more towns being written and each one is just glowing white, like white hot with anxiety and fear. And the writing stops for like a brief moment and you can feel that anxiety pulsing from the pencil and then it changes to confusion. And while you're focusing on this for a brief moment, you open your eyes and you're standing in the kitchen. Your mom is standing by the writing pad and she looks over her shoulder and makes eye contact with you. Now I have a question. Alea hasn't seen what she looks like in the dream realm right now. No. <laughs> no but the, she di- the diadem connects you with it more deeply and everything that enters the dream realm is all about emotion and how you feel about yourself. Like that's how why Tedward was a glowing beacon of craziness. Um <laughs> So how does Alea see herself? She would, I don't know. She'd probably feel guilty that she kind of just like up and left and like didn't really give much to her family. Um, but she would want to be also reassuring that she's fine. Um, I think for me, what I was trying to get at was, does she look older? Does she look younger? Because that's a thing that could happen. Does she look beat I up? Feel- does she look glowing and happy? Like... I feel like she would look younger, like kid-like, because mm-hmm. it's kind of like she's she's home for she's been she's like home again, and she's like seeing her mom for the first time since she left, and she's still unsure of things. And it's kind of like that childhood, like you don't know what you're doing, and you're like scared of what the mm-hmm. future holds. So, so like, I feel like that's what she would look. So your mom, you you watch her pivot when you're in this space, and she you notice something odd. She's looking down at you and you feel her make eye contact with you and her expression goes from confusion and then there's a hint, a flush of anger for a moment that immediately melts away into... And because you're on the dream plane, you can feel all this in real time. Then it immediately shifts to relief and she reaches out for you. Can I get a wisdom saving throw? 21. Wow. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) 21. Awesome. Um, as she reaches out to you, what do you do? I feel like she would apologize, <laughs> but she would be nervous. Do you reach, do you like reach back or do you just say this? She reaches out. She does reach out, but she okay. also says it. What do you say? I'm sorry, mom. I'll be home soon. <laughs> as you say this, you see her face turn to recognition and... She reaches for you and your hands touch for a brief moment. And as that happens, you just feel joy like pulse into you. And that pulse is so strong. It's nothing you've ever experienced before. It knocks you backwards. And in that moment, it feels like that rope that pulled you here on your waist, that pulled you in on that focus, tugs you away. And you're rolling through this kind of blinding ethereal tunnel of light and shadow. And then you're suddenly back at the ethereal version of the campsite where you were at. And you can feel your, your head is pounding a little and you feel a bit dizzy um, from the experience. Maybe it's a, a drawback of using this diadem. What would you like to do? Um, first, catch my breath. And then, can I check on the turtle in the dream realm? <laughs> um, yeah, so Haley had dug a little pit for the turtle. Um, better question. Before you, I mean... Why does she want to check on the turtle? Is she trying to just trying to like mentally back away from what just happened? 
Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So she's recoiling. So you quickly look around and see the little hole where the turtle was dug. Sadly, the turtle's not here because um, it's the dream realm. Um, are there little turtle feet? <laughs> <laughs> um, in this scenario, give roll me an investigation check. I think. She's got to distract herself with her responsibilities. Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Um, looking around, you find a little trail of turtle footprints that are leading towards the water. Um, and when you get close, you can just feel, you feel your stomach start to gurgle like you're getting hungry. Like when you focus on them, that reverberates back onto you. Always hungry. So if you want to roll an insight check, you could. Yes. <laughs> 19. He probably went into the river to get food. Aw, it's a little cutie. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, no, it's okay. So while this is happening, you hear a, a, a faint echo of voices trailing around. You don't know exactly what they're saying, but they sound familiar in the sense that it sounds like Thurbash and Haley and Tedward. And above your head in the sky, you see this white light that from even this distance, it pulses with fear and it sails across the sky and lands in the tree line. And as you look in that direction, you can see faintly see ethereal shapes of Tedward, Thurbash, and Haley. They're partially ethereal, but they're also partially solidified in the same way that the pencil was when you started to separate it. Mm -hmm. um, and they quickly make their way off into the woods. And you can faintly hear Rose going, you can hear Rose's voice, woo, woo, woo. It sounds so far away and muffled. I'm going to follow the fear beam, the fear mm -hmm. light. <laughs> thought you were going to try to get back in your body, but okay, cool. Um, nah, she's, she's still not done exploring this area. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, you start to wade into the trees, and as those ethereal figures get away from you, they just vanish from sight. Like, you're not sure why or how, um, but as they vanish... You just lose sight of them entirely. But you do notice something interesting. On the ground, you can see faint ethereal impressions of color. You can see that leaves along this dense foliage are tainted with color. Some of them you can see have golden threads woven over them in the same way that Tedward's body was when he was in the ethereal realm. You can follow it if you want. They seem to be heading in the same direction that that crash did. Yep, I'm going. Okay. Cautiously. Cautiously. <laughs> Last time she saw a dragon, so... At this point, um, we fade away as Alea sprints off into the forest to follow along this ethereal trail that her allies may or may not be making. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the mid-roll. If you enjoy our show, please take the time to support us by following us on Twitter, giving us a review on Podchaser, or iTunes, or just telling your friends about us. Storytelling is our passion, and I want to bring that passion to everyone who follows our show. And more. If you want to name an NPC that's a non-player character for future arcs or one-shots, or, you know, maybe just learn more about the show, check us out at www.toapodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, at Tales of Esperon. All right, let's get back to the show. So Leia, as you follow this trail, can I get a investigation or a perception check? Or if you want to um, survival, if you have that too. 
I'm gonna do perception. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Okay, you pretty easily follow along this trail, um, mostly because you can, you immediately sense anxiety and fear and confusion from a pair of boot prints that, at this point, feels like Thurbash. It feels nervous. It feels jittery. One, you you touch a boot print and kind of rub your hand along a leaf that's moving along this trail and you feel um, an overwhelming sense of confidence and it like you reel back it's Hedward (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love it and there's another sense of curiosity among these your three companions as they move their way through the forest now you can see something little do they know that they cannot off in the distance where this beam of fear landed in the woods you can see a vibrant glowing light it clearly looks like from where you're at it's probably about like two miles from here but it's so bright you can see it from this far away what would you like to do i guess continue onwards maybe try to go in front of them okay um so you break away from their kind of meandering trail through the woods you do notice that because they're really bad survival rules they oh, were no. <laughs> going in a direction and then going back in the right direction, wrong direction, and they were just kind of weaving their way through the foliage to get to this place. But you, with a clear sight of where the problem is, sprint ahead, and you're not limited by the obstacles they are, because in this place you're as just as ethereal as everything else. And you kind of push through the forest and quickly make your way towards this pulsing light in the woods. But you make your way to a clearing. And in this clearing you can see the ethereal and like semi-corporeal wreckage of a, a ship. A ship you've never seen before. One, you're in the middle of the plains. There's no reason for a ship to be here. Um, but you notice that wreathed all over it are these big canvas tarps that are now punctured and deflated. And you notice that there are kind of strange sails that are poking off the side of this thing. And the word airship comes to you immediately. You've heard about them but you've never seen one before and this whole thing is radiating with fear you can just feel it pulsing off of you it's so strong it's a little hard to look at what would you like to do i guess cautiously approach it and try to see anything because if there's creatures then they're then they're they're ethereal creatures Yeah, (laughs) yeah so she's gonna be like cautiously approaching and looking around um, so as you, so roll me a stealth check first. Oh, great. Oh, okay, 14. That's not the worst. So as this happens, you see, you kind of crouch down and just quietly move your way through the tree line. As you get closer, you can feel fear coming from other parts of the forest. Sometimes it comes from the plants that you're brushing up against. Um, and as you get closer to the source, this fear gets hotter and more powerful. So where you put your hand on a hickory tree and you feel your hand, it feels like you burnt it for a moment. And you get like a sense of fire. There's probably a fire here. And while this is happening, you see more of these little imprints on the ground. These ones are clawed, almost like a panther, like like a cat's claws. And they're moving across the grass, hopping. And then you see it make its way up a tree. And then that tree radiates a white hot light um, that you feel fear and pain 
and then it suddenly the, the ethereal version of the tree suddenly wilts down into nothing and you see this li- these little prints keep doing this to trees nearby do i recognize the tracks can i do like a nature check or something i will call this nature or arcana your pick uh, I, w- I would prefer nature <laughs> 19 19 um so you know just by looking at them they are not natural um because they don't really match any creature you've seen before. Um, and when I say cat, they have the little pads and there's claw prints in the ground. Um, do you touch it? The paw prints? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> Alea reaches down and you, you poke one of these paw prints and you feel that hot sensation again. And you get an overwhelming sense of hunger. Whatever this creature is, you know it's not natural and it's probably feeding on stuff that's here. Can you roll me another perception check? Is it eating fear? It could be eating the trees. Okay. <laughs> uh, eight. Eight. Um, so with a perception check with like that, you don't quite notice anything about this creature or this tree. Ooh, wow. But you do hear, while you're looking at this, because somehow I rolled lower than you did, um, you hear the sound of creaking wood. And you kind of look over your shoulder towards the ship, and you see a piece of the hull just burst outwards. Roughly the size big enough to fit a person. You see this crazy, vibrant white light come out of the ship. Is it hostile? You can't quite tell at this distance. It's probably about 60 feet away from you. Though, it, whatever it is, it hasn't taken notice of you quite yet. But it's white. Its light is so white hot and blinding. You can't get closer. You like you can't really see any details at this distance. You would have to get closer. Okay, I'm crouching on the floor mm-hmm. and crawling and trying to hide on behind ethereal bushes to okay. get closer. <laughs> roll me another stealth check. A twelve. Okay. Um, I rolled with disadvantage for a particular reason. Um, but you kind of crouch down in the bushes and slowly make your way through this clearing. Unlike your allies, the fire that's currently raging in this forest doesn't bother you because it's not on this plane. And you kind of sneak through the bushes and get closer and closer until you're about 15 feet away. And you see something that is hard to comprehend at first. Looking at it, you can see a humanoid figure. Though, unlike Tedward and your friends, their form is very clear here. Their skin is a dark black, like charcoal dark. And all over their body, you can see these veins of gold that are kind of, it looks like you're looking at a person carved from black marble. Above their head, you see a crescent of golden light that's cracked in the middle. Um, Can you roll me a religion check? I know who you are. Oh, God, I got a nine. Okay, um, with a nine, you don't, quite, yeah, you don't quite know what this is or who this is, but you get a vague, something about it seems familiar and you're not sure why. And this figure starts pulling things out of the hull of the ship and putting them in a pile at their feet. You see a, go- a big blue gourd that's roughly the size of a vase. You see them pull the hilt of a sword out of their bag and put it on the ground. And on the ground, you see this strange white sphere. And as you approach closer and closer, 
the whiteness of the sphere starts to become more and more opaque. And you can see that inside of it, there is this kind of black liquid that's glittering with light, almost like it's filled with glitter. And it's just warbling. Now, what would you like to do in this exact moment? Do I get a feeling from them? Like I got feelings from everyone else? Um, Roll me a wisdom check, I think. Because the light is so, the light coming from this individual is so overwhelming, it's a little hard to even look at. Uh, 13. 13. Okay, that's, an, I think that's enough for you to get an, an impression. First, the first thing that hits you is fury, anger, a thirst for vengeance. Then, underneath, bubbling, like beneath that ocean of anger that's just hitting you in a wave you feel a sense of fear, and it's directed at that orb. Then, something, because you've decided to kind of interact with this creature in this way, you notice something strange start to happen. Your vision starts to, it stops making sense, because it looks like you're looking at two entirely different people, two entirely different things, superimposed over each other, like a double, like a photograph that's been double exposed. You see this marble-skinned person with a halo above their head, and superimposed on them is a creature that you have never seen before in your entire life. Coming off the back of this individual, you can see arms woven of golden light, very similar to the golden light you've seen come out of Tedward's book. And all over its body, you can see unfurling from its back are these large wings easily a dozen of them that are kind of unfurling in this dream space and the weirdest part is that it turns in your direction and looks towards the forest and where there should be a head you see a bunch of rings carved of this black marble stone with gold veins running through them all looking like they're orbiting around a center point a biblic angel? Yep. That's that's exactly what I was going for. Um, yep, I have. Yeah. They're horrifying. Yeah. But in, inside this sphere of these like spinning marble rings, you don't see a face, but you feel a presence. And it looks right at you. Oh. And you immediately get an impression on your mind. Who are you? Um. First things first, I'm going to yelp and kind of like... Like, hop back onto my feet. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, that, that's it. That was, that oh, was you're it. not going to say anything? Nope. <laughs> this figure turns to face you and stands up. And you know the you notice the Asimar is 5'11", maybe, at its tallest. This or this or You notice this figure is 5'11", at its tallest, maybe. But this creature that is attached to it in this plane is easily 10 feet tall. And it stands up and its many arms unfurl and its head just regards you. And you watch these wings unfurl and you hear its voice again press into your mind. Who are you? Uh, uh, um, and then like, this is going to be kind of a mix between internal dialogue and external dialogue. Do I, I'm, I'm not anyone in particular. Do I, do I speak in my, do I speak in my? And then she's just she's just starts panicking, and she's just like, "I'm I'm Alea. Hi, I um, 
and then she like goes quiet again because she starts thinking and then she's like can you hear the thinking and so she, it's just like a monologue of her freaking out externally and internally you see this creature turn its head and its wings unfurl further and further um can you roll me a perception check <laughs> she's gonna take off running in a second uh perception 17 um with a 17 this is probably what something that would make alaya start running as the wings unfurl upon these kind of 12 luminous wings, you see eyes on them start to open all across this kind of wreath of wings that are now surrounding this creature. Does it feel malicious? And then in your your brain again, you feel this thought hit you and it's coming with a powerful sense of authority. Who are you? And it kind of echoes in your brain. Can I get a wisdom saving throw? What answer does he want from me? 18. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, let me check the same throw here. Not great. Um, you've already said your name. And this, this, this force rolls over you. And to take the reins for a moment because you failed the saving throw. Jeez. You don't you don't even know where this word, this thought, this proclamation comes from, but you say it somehow. A dreamwalker. You haven't heard that term before, but somehow like you knew it, and this creature just compelled you to tell it that. And it starts to motion forward further, and you feel this pressure on your mind again. Are you responsible for my ship being destroyed I, I I don't I don't even know I I just stumbled upon it I was feeling there was a light and it was scared so I came towards the light and then I and then I was on it felt fire but there's no fire I'm I no I I, I just I I didn't do anything I, I came I came here I uh, um roll me a persuasion check I think persuasion 10. <laughs> This creature regards you from, um, in this moment, it stops. You see its wings kind of curl back, not aggressively, but like it's, it stops. It looks like it has stopped moving towards you. You should not be here. Why? I mean, I believe you, but I'm, I, she's just going to like motion to her mouth to like say she's shutting up. (laughs) As this happens, um, as you say this, it leans forward like it's going to say something to you and then you f- you hear a a pulse like a, a rumbling in your feet and you see it quickly turn around and look down at this orb and you can see that whereas originally this kind of sphere of light holding this black liquid there's a crack in it and this kind of it it's weird because it looks like it's behaving like light pouring out of a crack in a wall but it looks like shadow. And this creature immediately leans down and starts using its fingers and weaving golden threads over this sphere. You don't entirely know what it's doing, but can you roll me a perception check? 21, yes. You're standing there and you go to sh- you shift your feet nervously because you, like, you're thinking, should I run or should I stay here? Will this thing kill me if I run? And you kind of shift your feet and you feel the ground beneath your feet is a little wet. And you look down and notice that pooling at your feet is a black pool of liquid that's growing larger and larger. And 
looking at it, it's glittering with the same kind of light. These little specks of light that the liquid in the sphere was. What do you do? Does the liquid have any energy? Any feeling? Any... You push your hand, like you kind of lean down towards it to probe it. Not only does it not feel like anything, you feel it trying to take something from you. Ooh, I'm stepping back. And as you step back, you're the, the, the satchel that you keep on you at all times, the satchel that contains that shard of crystal, You, as you step back, you feel it pulling towards this pool. And you look, and at the corners of this bag, this liquid is dripping out of it. Do you do or say anything? Out of the bag? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh... I'm not gonna drop the bag, but I'm definitely opening it up and like trying to see if if I can if I can see what's happening. You open up the bag and within to correct me if I'm wrong, we kind of I assumed that Alea had the bag of holding. And that's where the crystal was. Yeah. Kind of kept it in there. You open it up and the bag just looks like it's filled with this liquid. And it's dripping out of the bag, seeping and you feel a pulse again and you hear the creature go no no and it starts you look up and it's sealing it together and you watch as from within this liquid in the bag that you're looking down into i almost said the bag that you're holding which was i don't want to go to that (laughs) (laughs) the bag that holds things yeah the the bag of holding that you are the bag of holding that you are currently holding you see that liquid pulse with a golden light um and this creature looks towards you, and you feel that a thought press into your head. What have you done? I haven't done anything! It just started leaking! Um, can you roll me... How upset is Alea right now? Would you call this, she... like, nightmare afraid? Yeah, it's bordering on, like, when you're having a nightmare, and you're, like, you, your actual, like, waking body starts to feel panicky. Kind mm-hmm. of like that, like... As this is happening, this creature turns towards you and each of its hands, they, they curl like they're grabbing something and you see these swords of golden light appear and it just starts to run towards you. Can I get a wisdom saving throw? I'm gonna die. <laughs> um, 21. Oh my God, you passed. <laughs> I set the DC at 20 in my head because it would be very hard for you to stay in this form in this scenario because it's terrifying. You can you. I'm gonna say in this moment, if you want to retreat, what well, you want to end end to this experience, you can. The diadem lets you do that, but if you choose to stay, you can. I want to see, but I don't know if she would be brave enough to stay. Okay, we can leave it to the dice if you'd like. I mean, you just rolled a twenty-one. That feels brave. <laughs> okay, she'll she'll stay just for a little. <laughs> okay, so as this as this creature slowly is making its way towards you. Each foot slamming into the ground, and you can feel it shaking the dream plane around you. Uh, what do you do? I can make the assumption that it wants the bag, right? I mean, the bag seems bad <laughs> at this I'm point. Going or to... what's in the bag? I'm going to drop the bag and take a few more steps away. Okay, you, you drop the bag on the ground, and as it does, liquid starts to pull at its feet, and this creature says, Is this yours? You're doing. I want to say no, but it is my bag. But it's not my thing that's leaking. 
freezing. It... <laughs> <laughs> oh god. It it nods its head and you watch it open its palms and this the, the swords just dissolve into thin air and it starts rooting through your bag and it reaches in and pulls out this black shard of crystal. Where did you find this? In a tree. She's I, I just picture her like a tiny like little bird just like shaking. Just like I forgot. This creature has an ability. Oh no. I don't even have to roll, because it would know if you're lying. It it regards you and then looks at the crystal in its hand and you can see the liquid touching its its kind of glowing skin and it's starting to turn it black. And in that moment, it just takes it and you watch as the light inside this weird sphere of marble rings suddenly glows white hot and intense. Um, it's almost, It's blinding to you and it crushes its hand down on the crystal. Can I get a wisdom saving throw? Because you're about to spe- experience something, you have it actually with a. Mm, I'll give you a slight bonus because you have experienced this exact thing before. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so previously, the last time one of these crystals was destroyed, when Thurbash cleansed the tree, a golden light detonated from the tree and blinded all of you, and you woke up a long time later. And in this moment, you watch that golden light appear again. And in that brief moment, you see like a, again, like a double exposed image of that tree of the dragon and kind of all the things that you faced that were involved with this crystal. And when this creature crushes the crystal, a wave of golden light just detonates out from it. And on this plane, it hits you in a way that you didn't expect. This golden light ripples across the clearing. And when it hits you, your mind, your eyes, you open your eyes and you're suddenly somewhere else. You see yourself from the perspective of another person. They're walking through the woods with three or four other adventurers. One of them is a dwarf. Another one is a human with a a hood. And this person that it seems to be you're in the body of in this exact moment, they're carrying a staff, they're old. And hanging from this staff, you can see that very black crystal that you was just watched was destroyed. And then your vision, you blink, and you're suddenly somewhere else. You're inside of a, a dark cavern. It feels kind of familiar, almost like the, the den where you found this crystal in the first place. And there are little kobolds everywhere, and this wizard and his companions are hailing death on all of them. And you blink again, and they're running down the tunnels, fleeing from a horde of kobolds. And then you blink again, and they're all in a pile, this wizard and his allies. And you see that crystal again, and it falls down and lands in the soil. And that black liquid pours out. And in your perspective of this wizard, you feel everything you are, your life, your memories, your soul, is just ripped from your body and pulled into that crystal, into that pool of black liquid. And you watch the same thing happen to the other allies of this wizard. And then you blink again and you see the tree is slowly growing with all, almost like you're watching a time-lapse. The tree is covered in this black crystal. With a third blink, you see a dragon trying to crawl out of the hole at the bottom. 
and as its claw digs into the ground right in front of you, you see that the, the nails of it turn a crystal in black as this crystal takes over it as well. And then in that moment, you're back in this clearing with this entity standing over you, and you look down at your feet, and the pool of black liquid that this crystal was making is gone. What do you do? <laughs> is is, is uh, the creature still there? Yeah, you said it already. Mm-hmm. Does he look still mad? <laughs> the, the creature is regarding you. And looking between you, you knew not what you had. You found this in a tree. Where? Uh, can I look around and I want to see if I can see any... Uh, possible teammate footprints uh, anywhere? <laughs> um, yeah, roll me a perception check. I want to see if they're here or not. Ten? Jeez. Um, you don't see any of your teammates' footprints, but you do see something happen. You watch as the, the, the ethereal version of this figure that's looking at you and regarding you. You notice that the image of the this marble-skinned haloed creature suddenly looks up towards the tree line beyond you and starts gathering up all the belongings and shoving them in a bag and making their way into the hull of the ship into the darkness and this creature is still standing here in the ethereal plane regarding you you can see that there's a thread connecting it and the person in the hull and it says where did you find this? um well, you see, I'm pretty sure I'm cursed. So I was on a boat, and I came to the boat, and then I met a bunch of people, and then we, we, we broke someone out of jail, we put a potato sack on him, and then we ran into a dragon on a tree when in first dream world, and then, and then, and then the dragon attacked us, and he had black crystals all over him, and then we, uh, destroyed the crystal, and then we woke up, and it was all white, and then we, um, um, and she's just trying to, like, spewed out spew out, she's trying to spew out, like, just, like, vo hot vocabulary words of, like, information from her life. This creature, as you're saying this, this creature reaches for you. Do you do anything? Flinch? <laughs> it doesn't? I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, okay, so you flinch a little and it reaches forward and it goes, Be calm. I will not hurt you. And just touches one of its fingers to your forehead. And the wind is pulled out of you for a second. Can I get a wisdom saving throw? Or charisma saving throw, I'm sorry. A ten. <laughs> okay. Um, DC was 20. The creature pulls its hand away, whispering Link, and it looks back towards the orb. Where are you heading? And was there more of this crystal? Ah, uh, damn question. Was there more of this crystal? No, right? It was all destroyed, aside from yeah. the shard that you guys kept. Okay. That you found uh, in the root of the tree. Um, no. And I don't know. You see it, its form kind of nod. The, this big, weird, spherical head just nod in your direction. And it, you notice at this point that its wings have curled back in. Its arms have curled back in. And it's just more humanoid now than it was before. Return to your body. I will deal with the assailants that have assaulted my ship. And I will find you. 
and it turns to walk away from you back towards the ship. Do you do anything? I wake up. Or I try to wake up. Okay. Um, you close your eyes and focus, and at that exact moment, as you're, right as your eyes are closing, you see this figure curl into the ship, and you see the, the, um, the marble-skinned individual just standing there with a blade at the ready, waiting. And behind you, mm-hmm. you hear... Don't say it. <laughs> hey, is anybody here? And you, as your eyes are closing, you look over your shoulder and see those kind of ethereal forms of Tedward, Haley, and Thurbash. And then you go, oh no. And that rope on your waist pulls you back to your body and you suddenly awaken to Rose holding you by the shoulders. Leia, wake up. Oh, I'm full blown like springing up and smacking straight into her. <laughs> Give me an attack roll. <laughs> I love it. Um, this is a d20, right? Yep. A five. Five. Um, you swing forward and Rose ducks and goes, holy crap, you're a puncher. All right. Are you okay? You were knocked out. Clean no, out. No, no, we don't have time. We don't have time. Get with, uh, and then I'm just going to like get up and like shoot out to the direction that, uh, Hele, uh, Thurbash, um, hello, and Tedward ran off to. <laughs> <laughs> My brain just completely shut off. That's okay. Um, so I'm just gonna, they're in danger. We gotta go. We gotta go. You, sp- and we'll, we'll finish up here with you sprinting off into the woods, um, towards Hele and Thurbash and Tedward. Hey, everybody, and thanks for sticking around. Our next episode is gonna be a little bit different than normal. Right before our hiatus, we played a one-shot called The Eleventh Day with Avi and some friends from Thornvale and Top of the Round. Together, they played a kooky clan of kobolds defending their home in the Whiteleaf Wood. The very same clan Alea just had a vision about. So, we'll get to see what really happened at that kobold den and what those dark, twisted crystals are truly capable of. And that means Alea is aware of it, too. Anyways, our songs and ambient music for this episode are features from Kevin McLeod and Sword Coast Soundscape, which you can find in our episode description and on Bandcamp. You may have noticed some strange podcast episodes appear on our podcast feed lately. This is for our second campaign, The Gilded Lily. It runs every other week between our normal episodes, and we have an animated trailer for it pinned to our Twitter, at Tales of Esperon just in case you don't want to commit to a whole episode just yet. This story is a separate campaign from the Tales of Asperon main feed, but it's occurring in the same world, in the same canon as this very show. You'll get to follow the story of four wizard college dropouts who accidentally become pirates. There will be dinosaurs, deep sea adventure, and the cries of me being <laughs> tortured by a party that can all use spells like Firebolt, Charm Person, Magic Missile, Fireball. Um, I swear, I, I haven't ripped my hair out just yet. Anyways, I hope you enjoy that. Stay safe, and see you soon.